this is John Quell Jones. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. Yo, it's your boy Buddy Hughes. This is Jazz the Kid Chisholm. And you? Logged on to 10th Year Seniors. And the 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. And you logged in with 10th Year Seniors. You dig? Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. This is the Read Option Week 5 Recap. And we begin by telling you, like we tell you every single podcast, never forget that Colin Kaepernick was blackballed from this league in the 21st century for peacefully protesting police brutality against minorities. We should all be conflicted about how much we love this, how much we follow this, how much we obsess over this. But we do. And here we are. And it's so fitting that that's the start that we have every week. Because you get a first-hand look at the kind of stuff that Kaepernick was facing, not really so much in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. No, but it's as close as you could get to it. It's I as close as you could get to it. It is. I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. I wanted to start, <laughs> I wanted to start to bring some light to the situation, right? Congratulations, Keyshawn Johnson, by the way, because Keyshawn has been dying on this hill for almost two decades now, saying John Gruden's a piece of shit, he's a fraud. Nobody messed with him. Everything you see from him is fake. And now Keyshawn just doing a victory lap. No, you you got to give him space to do it because if it was somebody that was first to the party on this, he had a first-hand uh, view of the situation, the Tampa Bay days, and he was telling the people from then, bro, I can't play for this dude for such and such, but John Gruden has this public persona that makes everybody super comfortable because he's that rough around the edges but still fun-loving guy to a lot of people in the league, so... To somebody like Keyshawn Johnson to have to deal with that persona and still have to battle everything he's seeing, you know, face to face. I can imagine how, how relieved he is now. But it's crazy that the job that the media does in in helping the power dynamic to be what it is. Because at the time, nobody was interested in hearing nothing Keyshawn had to say. It was just, he's this diva from that side of the tracks and you have this authority figure who he just doesn't want to listen right, to. Right, right. So there's no reason for us to take anything that Keyshawn or any other player has to say in that regard. We, we don't have to take it seriously. No, but if we, if, we, if we take a look back through history at all of the players that John Gruden came into contact with that had any kind of negative thing to say about him, it's always them being cast in the light of, well, they're the problematic player. I know Keyshawn had a situation. Randy had a situation. Even a bit Warren Sapp had a situation. I remember, and of course, I can take it back to the Patriot way. Of course you will. Uh, one of the, so we, we traded uh, Richard Seymour there. And, uh, I, I think a, the whatever. A year into it, he was saying something similar. So we've seen players come into contact with John Gruden, share these kinds of stories, and people look at them like, no, you're the problem. You know what it really makes me think of? Because, and we tend to bring him up a lot on this podcast for some reason, but the weird way Marquette King just disappeared, right? And there were actual stories about this. I actually went to look it up. There were stories about John Gruden publicly saying that it had nothing to do with his performance, but his personality. Yeah. You get rid of Khalil Mack as soon as you walk in the door because, you know, Khalil Mack, he's a superstar. He's a type A personality. Right. Get him out of there. Strong you get, will. You get rid of Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper is seen as another one of those quote-unquote diva wide Exactly. That's right? what I'm saying. We've seen the stories, but we've always given, not we, the media has always signaled to us that we should That's give. Me. I include you with them. Okay. We, we've also we've given this narrative that John Gruden is the one who should get the pass never the player. But now we've seen that Wow, this is what these players had to deal with. Imagine what the conversations have been like man-to-man, face-to-face. I'm not going to lie. Like, 
it, it was one thing because it happened on the Friday news dump, and you know people do that to get rid of stuff on Friday. That, but this was something you couldn't avoid because this is football, so you got to talk about it on the weekend. So everyone was forced to talk about it, right? So on Friday, you heard the stuff that he said about Demora Smith, as if that wasn't bad enough. And then the avalanche of the rest of the emails yes, come yeah. down on Monday, and all I was waiting for was for him to call someone disorganized. But they can tell you just how boy, big of a story this became so quickly. He had plenty of disorganized vibes in there. Boy, listen to me. Listen to me. That was some disorganized energy. Yeah. You said in the group last night, you don't know if he could have gone back to the locker room. I actually wanted to see him go back to the locker room after the full all of the emails done. Couldn't happen. Not, yeah. not, not with, not with what they have in the locker. Bro, it's plenty of energy in there. I wanted to see how it gone over, but it, 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 situations like this, like you start a podcast with the, uh, 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 the tag every week, but in situations like this, we 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 get a like a deep look at what players have to deal with with coaches like this because we hear the stories all the time. We we, we sometimes brush it off and it's like you know you got to man up, you got to get over it. It's just a part of life, but. To have somebody that's been built up on his pedestal like John Gruden has to go through something like this for us to see that, bro, sometime it ain't what it all cracked up to be, bro. We got to go through more than a lot to put up with this. And I think about, you could say shit, I don't care. <laughs> and I think about a part of what that is, is people don't respect it as them doing a job. They look at it as you playing in the NFL. This is a privilege. Millions of dollars, bro. This is a privilege. So this is something no, you, sh- you get to do. That's what you hear all the time from the league. To play in the NFL, to put on, to bear that shield, this is a privilege. This isn't anything else. This is a privilege. No, that's bullshit. Because there's something that they earned. There's something that they've been working towards from the time it was probably five, six years old. It's not right. a privilege. It's something that they earn. It's just like anybody else going to their job. In the same respect, you give a CEO or a head coach or a GM of a team, you should give that to these players. But the way fans treat this entire thing, it's never like that. And right. all of that goes into how people view when these kind of things happen through that prism. They don't respect players for what they do, and they don't respect their agency. Well, players feel like they have no agency in this (laughs) because that's just the way the power structure is set up. And so, like, tying in what what Keyshawn always thought about him or what other players thought about him, none of it ever mattered, and he could be gone from the league for 10 years and come back and get a 10-year mega contract. I just was about to say, that's what makes all of this even more bizarre because the fact that... John Gruden has been elevated to such a high level in the league. He, Like you said, he's been gone 10 years. And they baited him out of retirement with a contract that we've never seen before. To give a, co- a head coach that much space, to give him that much money, to have that much say in the organization, it, it took all of us off guard. And you had all of that on the face of everything you've heard past, past players say about it. And he didn't even win with his players. It was completely a team that Tony Dungy built, and he came in on the back end and won the Super Bowl. He didn't even win with his guys. Like, that, that's the Tampa Bay days we're referring to now. Yeah, but it's... Uh, I don't... Anyway, I, I was always kind of leaning on the Keyshawn side of this because I didn't get what the Bay deal was. He just says, spider to why banana a lot. Why is he the media darling and all of this stuff? And, uh, boy, it had me thinking a lot about Kentucky, right? Because... People would say, and a lot of people that were caping for him and trying to rationalize, well, he's been this leader of men. He's been in football for X amount of years. He's always interacted with these players. How could people think he's racist? He said he doesn't have a racial bone in his body. I don't know what people mean when they say that, but that's the kind of thing that he said. And I distinctly remember 
overhearing a conversation when I was in Kentucky talking about Kentucky basketball and hearing this person in a restaurant say, they may be niggas, but there are niggas. Yeah. Like, that, it is 100% completely possible for you to like this sport, but hate the people that play it. Mm-hmm. That I mean, is possible. I mean, you, and, and, and when football gets into situations this, you always have to look at the wider picture. This is a league where, for all the overhyped stuff we see, well, I shouldn't call it overhyped, all of the stuff we see around Deshaun Watson, we have to be honest with ourselves. There's a racial undertone to that. Of course there is. You see what I'm saying? It always so is. It's, it's things like this. Colin Kaepernick. The, the list is long. We've seen this play out. And we always, again, I have to say weakest. Now I'll say the media. No, but you included that. You more so than me. Because <laughs> the actual sports reporter. Yeah, but I hate structure and authority. <laughs> Fair point. But the structure and authority does dictate that I'm we give up these. I'm dressing to go to no OPM office. But you got to, though. It's, a, it's an opportunity. But the structure dictates that that we give the pass to persons like John Gruden, and we never mind comments coming from people like Keyshawn Johnson, Randy Moss, Warren Sapp, Richard Seymour. Like we never mind that in the benefit of somebody like John Gruden. Glad you brought up Randy Moss because he was the one that was really vocal this weekend. He gave that impassion. It's like everybody gave him the ball uh, on the set, and they cleared out. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he spoke from the heart. Randy Moss is one of them dudes. Who, he always wears his. Mo- emotions on his sleeve. Yeah, like bro. He only want to do two things. Cover football and go fish. That's it? That's it. That's, that's all of it. At this point, that's Randy Moss's entire life. And so he came to Terrace talking about the whole thing because, and you could tell it brought him back to his situation when, Marshall, he, yeah. when he was younger. Yeah. And all he had to go through and how he was railroaded based completely on race. So you had him on one side, but you had a lot of people caping for John Gruden, too. You had a lot of people willing to swear by everything he was saying. You had Tony Dungy say shit like, well, I have to believe him. I, I, I literally have no comment because oh, when no, I saw... I, oh, on, before, and before you go to him, you had Tony Dungy and you also had Mike Tirico, who, as we know, identifies as Italian. Mm. Go Google Mike Tirico right now if you don't know what Mike Tirico look like. looks like. Looks like. Light skin. That nigga black. Light skin. He identifies as Italian, not black. It's the strangest. F- John Lake will be cursing <laughs> the podcast, but anyway, this kind of thing is take me now. But so you had these two people leading the charge, throwing on this cape for John Gruden, because of course Mike Tirico used to work with John. I just want to say right? both of them close relationships with the guy. But I hate when people say I haven't seen it, so this can't be so. So. How many people actually seeing R. Kelly do all the shit that he got convicted of? That means he wasn't doing it? Well, we all seen him pee on the girl that one time. But it was so much more than that, though. Allegedly, it was his brother. (laughs) How many people actually seeing Bill Cosby do the shit that he got convicted of? You have to see somebody do it. You have to literally sit there in the room and hear him say nigger with the hard ER. I mean, it shouldn't have to be like that. And I can understand in this day and time where we want to be careful with victim shaming and, you know, putting people guilty before they have their day in court. But at the same time, if you see the smoke, at some point something had to burn, bro. Like, I, I don't understand. Mike Tirico, uh, Tony Dungy, good relationship with John Gruden. By all means, he could be your boy. But if he do something suspect, you should be the first one to call him out for it. Why you can't just say, dog, you got to answer for that shit. He got an answer. First thing you should have said is, I need to see the rest of the emails. I know y'all got them. Let me see the rest of the emails. Before you go on this hill of, well, I could trust what he said. No. See what the narrative is. Go check the tape. 
Do you actually think John Gruden's gonna say, "Yep, y'all got me. I'm a racist." <laughs> That's, it is what it is. Like, uh, you guys, you got me. Uh, I'm a racist. Who is he, Donald Trump? He's not going to just fess up to that kind of thing. So, of course, he's going to say the opposite of it. But apparently, you have to believe him because... Because why? Because he took over you and won the Super Bowl? Because he made Monday Night Football great when you were the lead reporter? I love how strong of a Christian Tony Dungy is. But until. Boy, sometimes it's until, getting nervous. I, like, people like Tony, I respect them, but it's always that until. Like, everything is a problem until it's somebody they know. Everything is an issue until it's somebody they're close with. Like, people like that, you can't vibe with. You can't build a proper society around that because they always find a way to draw these lines. And then the thing about it is whenever you have an issue with, with race or something that happens, whether it's NFL, NBA, whatever, what do we always do? They go to the players and ask, right? Like when everything was going on in the NBA, everyone was asking the players. Mm-hmm. Or in this situation, of course, you go to Randy Moss, you go to Mike Tirico, you go to Tony Dungy. You don't go to the community that's actually responsible for these things. You go to the community of victims to get their response on it and ask them how to fix it. Well, the funny part is... How many white people we was asking about John I just want to say the funny part is when it's the other way around, they definitely go to the community of the perpetrators. I... It, Drew Brees wasn't even on the set when they was talking about Tony Dungy. I don't well, know what he was doing. Fixing his hair? Well, if, if anybody I didn't expect to be on this, I would never forget the situation he gone through with Malcolm Jenkins. I would... I could live a thousand years and always remember that. Wrangler legit, is. legit. He'd never recovered from that in New Orleans. That was the end of his career. He probably had more years to play. That ended it right there. When it was like, you're always the wrong... That's what Drew Brees is. So I never expected any point of view from him that would make this situation more understandable or more relatable. But why? I, I just hate that whenever it's a white person that does something like this, the black people always have to answer for it because you always need to get their take on it. How do you no. feel? No, 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 no. Well, they ask a few of the right ones. So they ask a few of the wrong ones. <laughs> they ask, they ask a few of the ones putting on that cape. Tony Nunchy did try to backtrack this morning on Twitter, though. I don't know if you saw a boy. No, I didn't have a look at his tweet. Tell he's a DB coach because that man was backtracking. He said, "Look, I felt that way before I saw the rest of the emails. The one wasn't enough. The one with the Demora Smith and the Michelin top. Oh shit." While, while we're here on the it's Michelin Tire... always the space to draw a line, but... In wide, hey, anyway. While we're here on the Michelin Tire thing, right, did you hear Gruden's, uh, his reasoning for it, his logic for it? No. He said that when he thinks people are lying, he says they have rubber lips. And that's why... <laughs> and that's why he called Demoris Smith. Michelin. His lips is like Michelin. And Tim Brown was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He calls people rubber lips when he says he's lying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you also call this man dumb. And without even looking at their resumes, I am 99.9% certain Demora Smith is much more educated than John Gruden Our is. actual celebrated attorney. I don't even have to look that up. I know that. Hey, football coaches. Next to the quarterbacks, they got the power. Leader of men. And, and this is why I am the way I am in the black quarterbacks. No, I respect that. that. that I right respect that. That's why I, I don't respect. care. I've never, I've never fought you on that issue. I just fought you on the... Organization, this organization. Nah, you full of shit with that. Because I, listen, John Gruden was going after everybody. He had the chopper out in these emails. He was going after concussion protocol, uh, women referees. See, this this, this is the point <laughs> I'm trying to people, make. And this is gay people. And this, and this is why I have an issue with the way the NFL is structured. Bro, all y'all reading these emails, how did it take this one 
to take it over the edge. But this is the thing, though, and this why this is it's systemic racism in the NFL Fuck that you sure. actually have to target, though, because sure. this entire study had nothing to do with John Gruden and the Raiders. Never forget, this is about the Washington football team. This started with the story years ago about what was happening in their front office before they had to clean house. Mm-hmm. This was just an exchange of emails. And you mean to tell me, he was sending this to George Allen, who had a huge position in the, the Washington front office, by the way. And you mean to tell me you don't think these are the group of people that was colluding to say... Kaepernick? No, I don't ever sign him again. Because, oh, by the way, John Gruden did bring that shit up that Eric Reed should never get to play again. Yeah, Blackball yeah. him. You mean to tell me these group of people, these 30 owners, wasn't talking about how none of them are going to sign this mine? It's a reason why that case got settled. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Like, clearly that is what these people are about. This is just John Gruden saying this. He ain't even a big fish, bro. He's just a coach. Well, I mean, in the realm of coaches, he, he he's a... In the realm of coaches, but in the NFL system, he's beneath all of the owners. He's beneath uh, all of the GMs. Uh, yes, Carter, because they sign, they just, they sign these people. No, why say the uh like that is because I there's clearly a hierarchy of coaches that have strong voices throughout the league. But none of them are stronger than the actual owners, though, is what I'm saying. None of them are stronger than the dudes paying their checks, the dudes signing their checks, the dudes hiring them. From a financial standpoint, no. But from a sway standpoint? From a real power standpoint. Uh, from a real power standpoint. Bro, I feel like some coaches have a lot of Absolutely sway. not, because at any point they could get fired. Uh, which is true. If I Robert Kraft you. felt like it, Bill Belichick would be gone tomorrow. Right away, but Bill Belichick was still hold in the league and be hired in an hour. He not, would, if, not, if every, not if they collude like they did with Colin Kaepernick. That's, that's no, what I'm saying. You're saying they won't, but it's possible that they can they do could. that. They could now, but what I'm saying is, it's Bill Belichick. You it, there, there's a short list of names from the coaching perspective that literally commands the league. I think John Gruden was on that list. Matter of fact, I think, I, despite everything that happened over the last few days, he's still on that list. I give it nah, probably... That, that nigga is done. I give it probably a year or two, he's going to be in someone's front office interviewing some quarterback to figure out don't forget Gruden Grinders. That was after everything we heard before. He was still there on Monday Night Football doing the Eli and Peyton stuff. Bro, he could be back. Nah, he's about to go to Fox News. Or okay, something. wait on it. He's either about to go to Fox News or wherever the hell Jason Whitlock is. Uh, people like, like-minded. like One America. He's about to be the football analyst on One America News or some shit. Hey, One America is in Fox NFL kickoff every Sunday in the next year. You know the, you know, you know the funny thing, though? If... <laughs> It was that he had the chopper of hate out against everybody. Because if it, if it was just if it was just Demora Smith and him saying Eric Reed didn't play no more, the NFL owners would have had to been like, yeah, well. You know. But now nah, this is I what I'm saying, that. and this is where it confuses me. Because you were sick. This email was not sent last week, Friday. This is a treasure trove of emails they've been holding. So my question is, why now? My question is, I actually I got two. Who leaked it? Because you you watch enough, you listen to enough true crime podcasts, you watch enough TV, you always got to go after the motive, right? Mm-hmm. Who had motive for this? And also, what else is in there? <laughs> because they got emails from everybody. Dog, niggas, IT department's been working overtime. It's you like, me? again, bringing it back to the bit, it's like when we got caught up with uh, Spygate. It was like, yeah, we caught the Patriots. Let's see the tapes. No, we they done. No, like, the tapes gone. <laughs> what else is what? in there? Who been saying stuff? Because John, 
I find it very hard to believe that with everything y'all got, and this was about Washington, everything y'all got, John Gruden was was the biggest catch in that mm-hmm. whole thing. No, he wasn't. Nah, bro. Nah, nah. See, John John Gruden got sacrificed for some hey, other stuff. You see what Goodell had to say, bro? Them second email accounts. Not Yahoo. Goodell Goodell was like, "Oh, I'm a. You know what? <laughs> All right then. All right. This is good. It's nothing more petty than when the boss friend cross something they ain't supposed to see. What on site? That's what John Gruden said. All right, I just, I just had to, to get that, to get that out of the way, because to me, that was more compelling than everything else that happened. And the, the shitty thing about it is, we actually had a great week on the field. Like, I needed us to wait until after the Monday night game to do this podcast, and that's where I want to start, because Lamar needed that game. I needed that game. The culture needed that game. That was a reminder game. Everyone is ready to crown the organized quarterbacks as the future. No, no sorry, not even the future. The present face I of this league right say, now. The face of the league. Everyone wants to crown this group of young quarterbacks. Your Justin Herberts, your Josh Allens, your Tom Brady's. All of these young quarterbacks that have 15 more years to play. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure we got Tom Brady in there correct. No, I count him in the group. Yeah, of, he, he yeah. have 15 years left to play. I count him in the group of young quarterbacks. Yeah. Don't forget that Lamar Jackson's still walking around here. Like wh- when you hold up Justin Herbert and saying he's twenty three year old, twenty three years old to win this, and you're amazed, and you're amazed at twenty five year old Josh Allen. Do not forget Lamar Jackson is twenty four and already has an MVP on his resume. And the reason like, I got to give him credit for what took place uh, on Monday Night Football is this: to have such an awful first half. Yeah. Like to bounce back and say, you know what? I know y'all gonna put this on tape. I could hear the talk now. Oh, it was a, it was ramping that up. It was ready to go. Taking bro. it back to the press narrative. You know, at halftime, you already started to pin that first sentence. So he knew what was being written. Change and he your came leads, out, bitch. Yeah, he came out and he was like, you know what? We got to put something better on tape. And from that point on, him and Mark Andrews just is like, bro, let's go get it. Hollywood was catching the ball. Oh, when Hollywood <laughs> catching the ball. Woo. Bro, that, that deep pass he threw up there was like, all right, they back, they back. But the, and I know a lot of people did not watch Lamar Jackson play quarterback in college when he was at Louisville, right? That's how you say it. Yeah, you you've been that. to Kentucky. Y'all know y'all don't say it like that. Yeah, it's Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, you know, yeah. just say Deville actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. but the notion that Lamar Jackson cannot be a pocket passer is ridiculous because he won the Heisman Trophy being a pocket passer. Like, I, see, this is why I think you overblow this narrative. No, the idea is not he's. Unable to pass from Bill, the pocket. Bill Polian said he's a wide receiver. You judging anything Bill Polian said? Bill Polian said he's a wide receiver. At one point in his career, he won GM of the year. But that man said he's a wide receiver. All that you is... You should probably go out and list who I won GM of the year and To see. me, all I'm just saying Bill Polian is one person out of this group that has affected the way young black men shape their football careers for generations and that's why i'm gonna root for all of them that break through to be quarterbacks because so did booker mcfarland he ain't say he's a wide receiver no but they're just saying he did affect the way that these guys have been viewed just saying you only gotta be white and negative you got some dumb black dudes in there too oh of course you do yeah. of course you do they usually put on the cape like you watch django you know you gotta have at least one samuel all in the corner you know you gotta have dudes like that. You gotta have Jason Whitlocks. You gotta have you gotta have the black people that go in front of the camera and say the things that the white community wants to say, but they yeah. don't want it to be negative PR. Those people will always exist and have a job. Candace mm. Owens rich. Boy. 
But anyway, to finish off the point I was making, I think I think we we have to decipher between what it actually means to be disorganized oh, and Jesus to be a, a quarterback. I no, I, I, just want, I just I want be the, I just want I just want the narrative set. When we refer to disorganized as a quarterback's ability to make something happen when the pocket breaks down. More often than not, you have quarterbacks who can be decent from the pocket, okay. still have the ability to roll out and make plays happen. It looks a bit disorganized on the surface. That's it. <laughs> and like I continue to say, my problem with that is you will never hear someone use the word disorganized in a positive light. That is not seen as positive. And the list of people that y'all consider disorganized, the character traits displayed by that, is predominantly the way you see a lot of black quarterbacks play. The thoughts and views and ideas shared by the 10YS podcast network are reflective of us and us alone. Well, yeah, we all leave people talking on shit. I just said. You want to do disorganized, organized? No, no, again? no, no. We straight the people, straight the audience get it. They get it. Josh Allen played pretty disorganized. Bro, sometime in your life on the line, you... That man hurdle. He good, though. He is great. Hey, let me let me explain something to you. The closest thing to a perfect pocket passer to be disorganized would be Josh Allen. Oh, get the... F- <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you run down, Lord. Please, keep going. please. See, and oh, Please explain to me the difference in the way Josh Allen plays and the way Russell Wilson plays. There's none. There's no difference. There's no difference. But predominantly, he sits back in the pocket and make you know, target passes. That's not true. He runs a lot. He big, though. Pause. <laughs> he runs a lot. He, he is more comparative to Cam Newton than he would be a, a prototype pocket passer. Fox, you're right. You're right. But... When he's in the pocket. Oh my Jesus Christ. All of them are like that when they in the pocket though. Nobody disorganized in the pocket. But y'all disorganization is when you get out of the pocket. Which by the way is a positive trait. No, So y'all shouldn't even be calling it disorganized. You ever see Russell Wilson say hi? Yes. Okay. No, right away bro. Right away. I don't understand. Right away. You you know. You know. You know. I'm so confused. Like Cam and Cam used to say hot. It was right away. It's like I haven't even looked for this pass, but if it's there, I can do it. Right away, let me try to get this three yards of the field, though. I don't think that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's like the running back. I can get it. Watch me. Uh, it. All right, what organized. Browns Chargers was the game of the year. I, I don't, I can I don't agree. think there's another game that's going to beat that. No, initially I thought it was going to be that uh, Tampa Bay Cowboys game to open the season that was pretty good. But the Chargers Browns games this weekend had no losers. Yeah, the Browns. Well, figuratively speaking, they had no losers. Literally, Browns lost the game. But I figuratively, mean, Baker Mayfield he was impressive. He 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 performed in a way that I didn't expect going in last week. If you play back to port, I talked about this being the moment we yeah. figure out you know what he he proved that he could be that franchise quarterback that could take a team deep into the playoffs. This felt like a Super Bowl. Torn Labram and all. It, I we're gonna we're gonna see this game again in the playoffs. The best thing about it is in that young group of elite quarterbacks, I feel like most of them have to be great. But I think Baker's on the best team where they can survive him not being great. Like Baker can manage a game, and the Browns can make a deep playoff run because they have those two ridiculous running backs in the backfield, and that's why I had so much confidence in them to win that game. Mm-hmm. And both of them played great. That's what I just was about to say. That this is why this game was such a really good game. Everybody, Chubb. He dominated. Yeah. 
Hunt, every time he got a chance in the, in the red zone, immediate touchdown. So when you look at when you look this back on the tape, you say to yourself, Chargers won because they had the ball last. Chargers won because they got that quarterback. Uh, what John is calling? Anything that people call Jesus. <laughs> Transcendent. I think, he, I think he calls him Jesus Herbert. <laughs> John actually thinks there's an NFL timeline, the BH timeline, and everything occurred before Herbert and after Herbert. I think as Dolphin fans, we are so traumatized that this is what we could have had that John just going all the way to I legit legit feel like John is going to stop in Miami, go to the front office, and legit say, y'all got the printed jersey. I just need to have it. It's the only way I can go on my life. He's now a Justin Herbert fan. He's a Chargers fan. What are you... What? Herbert is quick. I think that quick flirtation he had with Kyla Murray may be gone because this Justin Herbert thing is such a big deal. Kyla Murray could get it back if they beat the Browns this week and go to 6-0. Bro, I don't know who in the NFL league office running schedules. I feel so sorry for the Browns. I looked that up today and I was like, what? Again? It's either they have a hatred for the Browns or it's just like, no, this could make good TV. But you only had to go to the future to see this making such good TV. I don't, I don't get it. I, I really hope they're scheduled for the rest of the way. They get to play the Texans like three times, the I Dolphins three times. Texans, Jets, Dolphins. Yes. That's what they need because they really run in a gauntlet this mm. early in the season. Which is like Bacon making too much commercials, make it, keep him busy. Chiefs in week one, then you followed by Chargers and, and, and Cardinals. I mean, granted, you probably didn't expect the Cardinals to be the only undefeated team in the NFL at this point, but still, though. That's a murderer's row. Yeah. They, they got to get at least one out of here, though. You can't come away with three moral victories. That'll yeah. be too hurtful. I mean, at this point in time, no, now, I think they could survive. They they head and shoulders above that division. And I, if you look at the AFC... Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they're, good in the, they're good in that division. Uh, the Chiefs seem to be done. But, but, still, but still, though, I mean, as I'm thinking about it from a Browns fan's perspective... Oh, no, like, definitely, definitely, definitely. But you leave it up to this now... You only have one team in front of you. Yeah. You know if you play Kansas City again, you got that number. I don't see. I don't know that. Really? I don't know that. See, really? Because I feel like that's a game they they're losing a lot of games that they should have had. Like this Chargers game, they absolutely had that. Let me ask you a question. They had the Chiefs in Week One, bro. They had them. Chubb, Hunt. Yeah. Landry. I agree. I hear all OBJ. that. OBJ. I hear all that. Who won the Chiefs defense stopping them? The Chiefs ain't stopping nobody right now. They're giving, they giving up 30 points a game. I like, thought you knew about a trade that was going down. They ain't stopping nobody, and I don't know how you fix that. And that's the scariest thing about the whole Chiefs And thing the right strategy now. is out, bro. The strategy is out on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he had a comeback moment last. Uh, now two weeks ago. Now, no, no strategy is out. What? And the thing about it is, like, Mahomes, he's getting killed for all of the picks and all the decisions, right? And they say, oh, he's already throwing six. He threw six all of last year. Three of those six interceptions bounce off receivers' hands. Right. Straight into the DBs. Legit three of them are not him. But in a lot of those situations, they weren't him. But it was a bad call at the line. Go and watch all of his picks. This one from Sunday, Tyree Hill just missed it on a crossing route, though. Like, that was as simple and as mundane as you could get. He basically was just crossing a a route, crossing across the field, sorry. And he just missed the ball. Like Yeah, because most cornerbacks trail Tyree Hill. They're never on his hip. Pause. I don't don't, know. That's why I'm saying it's quite clear that the league has identified a way to slow Tyree. I'm not saying it's stopping Tyree Hill. 
but they have, they, they, they take him out of his normal flow, especially on many of his quick routes. Right away, you have a linebacker chipping him and feeding him right into a safety. I think it's as simple as having another threat on the other side of the field. Because if you have Kelsey and Tyreek Hill lined up on the same side of the field, which they do oftentimes, you need somebody over there to at least be able to draw some kind of attention to make the defense be honest to the opposite side. And I think that obviously that's why they signed Josh Gordon. to mm-hmm. hope to hope They hope to get some of, some of anything that's left from the Josh Gordon that was in Oh, Cleveland. I thought it was in hopes of making sure he come with the good stuff. I mean, that could be a part of it. Yeah. I know. Uh, it's it's tough to it's tough to do. No Tyreek there in Kansas City. All they got is barbecue and nothing else. I know, but uh, somebody somebody gotta come with the connect. Dudes just travel a lot. I know how Monday to Sunday look, but he in Kansas City for a while. Are we ready to say the Bills are unquestionably the best team in the NFL right now? The I Bills, wouldn't say the best team. They're the highest scoring team, they and are. their defense gives up the fewest points. Right, but I wouldn't say the best team. If you watch what. And y'all could call him L.A., I could call him San Diego. If you watch with San Diego, do it. I feel like that's the best team in football. Yeah, the Cardinals are undefeated, but the Chargers, in my opinion, are the best team in football. Y'all give up on Chandler Jones early. We ain't give up on him. Hold on, hold on. As soon as his brother clears his shoes, they could be back. It's a family thing, you see? Daddy ain't praying enough. He's a pastor. You got to take them to church. It's a process. Is he really? Yeah. What? I didn't know that. That's the best part of their story. That explains all of this. Bro, that really explains bro, all of it. You gotta the one who used to play for the Colts, I think Arthur. You gotta listen to that man talk, bro. It's like he know him and his brothers was wild. Well, the dad knew that they were wild, and it was just like I guess that's what God gives me. It's almost <laughs> like <laughs> PK's boy. PK's hey, hey. Uh, the gals. That's, that's exactly what it is. But I think the Chargers are the best team in football. Arizona is right there. But what what, what Herbert is doing, uh, Eckler is playing out of his mind. Think about the fact that this guy went undrafted. I just don't understand it. That defense, Sunday Samuel Jr. Tell you, but you got to get the jersey. Get it now. Mm. Well, next week we got another huge game. Uh, we're going to hear more about this later which, which on in the game? week. Cowboys. Patriots? That's not a huge game. The huge game is two of those aforementioned elite quarterbacks, and this is going to be one for Mark the Jones conversation. And Doc Prescott? Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. Mark Jones is pretty good last Mark week. Mark Jones too. is not going to be in anybody's conversation. Mark <laughs> Jones almost got beat from Davis Mills. Issues happen, bro. Just like uh, Lamar Jackson came back in the second half, Mark Jones said they're going to put this on tape. I got to come back. The Texans have basically given up on being in the NFL almost. <laughs> I don't understand. Nah, you play the team in front of you. That's what we did. See, this is why he's a part of the media, because nobody is better at you than these bullshit cliches. They can sit you right next to Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico. You can identify as Long Islander. That's my guy, though. All right. That's it for this week. Uh... That's our recap. Did anything else happen in week five? Nothing of note. The Dolphins were the Dolphins. That's it. We ain't spending no more time on them. Daniel Jones got injured. It was traumatizing 45 minutes. A lot of quarterbacks got injured, but that's that's football. Daniel Jones. See y'all when it's time to gamble.